0: Pennsylvania has a long tradition of manufacturing centers. They called them ironworks, places where people came together to build things. This podcast is about building and sustaining our democracy. We call it Democracy Works.
1: Hello, I'm Michael Berkman. I'm Chris Beam. And this is Democracy Works. Today, we are privileged to be joined by Jennifer Van Hook, a professor of uh, sociology and demography at Penn State. And Chris, we're going to talk about the census today.
0: Right. We um, we picked this subject because for a couple reasons. Um, it, you know, it is it is a bulwark of democracy, and it's something that, that we'll talk about now. But it's something that, for that reason alone, kind of merits our attention. But right now, it, it, it's also a very topical issue, because um, well for two reasons one, there is an uh, an, an argument out there that the uh, the census is underfunded and really not ready for you know the issues that are uh, the the procedures that are going to be coming up in 2020 and then the other thing is this this new question that um, the Department of Commerce has decided needs to be added, which is about um, citizenship and so these are both you know very important news issues that relate directly to what the census is and what it does right it's
2: also
1: it's also something that the constitution requires the congress to do Mm-hmm. Right? There are not a whole lot of things that the Constitution says the Congress has to do, right. why it's important. Uh, you mentioned it's important to democracy. And one, one way that I see that is, of, of course, it underlies, it, it, is, it is essential to representation in Congress.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, every 10 years, the Congress is required to reapportion. Now, we spend a lot of time talking about redistricting. Right. And we've had podcasts on redistricting. Right. And redistricting is what happens within a state as they tried as a uh, redraw the district lines to make sure that every district within a state has an equal number of people but prior to that the constitution requires uh, that the number of seats in the congress be apportioned around the fifth around the states right. and now 50 states of course uh, based on the based on the census and and therefore what this allows the congress to do the house in the House in particular, of course, because the Senate is two representatives for everybody, Mm -hmm. is for the the House of Representatives to reflect changing patterns of population in the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you get this kind of shift in Congress over time uh, out to the Sun Belt as the uh, population shifted from the large northeastern cities uh, down into the southwest and into the south. And every 10 years, you'd have... uh, a change in the number of seats coming from places like Pennsylvania, which has constantly decreased, and New York, and New York, Michigan, and Michigan, and, and all these states, Ohio. Ohio lose population relative to the rapid population gains in, you know, or Texas and California, right. mm-hmm. Florida. Mm-hmm. Okay, we know where the we right. know where the Sun Belt is. <laughs> so it's very critical to that, and and in fact, uh, you know, in 1920 they did a census, but they didn't reapportion, and so by the time they reapportioned in 1930, I had this dramatic gain. Uh, I, I've seen this referred to as the most uh, the most liberal Congress ever that Franklin Roosevelt had in 1930, because you went from a population that was largely rurally based in 1910 mm-hmm. to one that had shifted into the cities, had shifted especially with the waves of immigration into the urban areas, but it wasn't picked up because the uh, because the Congress did not reapportion right. in 1920. And
0: so, I bet ever since then, it has been reapportioned, and every 10 years we get a new snapshot. Of uh, where people live in the United States of America,
1: right, and so w- which is also important for the, uh, and I'm sure Jenny will talk about this a little bit for the distribution of federal funds, right, which I, I are often based on population mm-hmm. it being in certain. Uh, but you know, there's so much more to the census, uh, and it it can be treated as a very political thing. It wasn't intended to be political, supposed to be just a straight counting, mm-hmm. uh, but obviously these numbers are very important to people with different kinds of political goals, right,
0: and and if you are talking about uh, where congressional seats go, that is, you know, it may be um, an apolitical process, but the results are not. And so no one is indifferent to how this works and, and how it operates on the ground. And so, and I think you're actually seeing this reflected in the, in the citizenship question as well.
1: Well, sure. So Jenny will talk a bit about this mm-hmm. new citizenship mm-hmm. question, and maybe she'll talk a little bit too about the uh, capacity of the census to, to carry this out. You know, this is something, you're counting a lot of people. Right, and so this is something that requires a lot of gearing up. It requires a lot of hiring, a lot re- of money. It Requires a lot of money. It requires a lot of expertise, and uh, you know, at this point, there's no head of the Census Bureau. Mm-hmm. There's just an acting head. Uh, there is no there is a, a minimal amount of staff, at least not the kind of staff that there was in the past. Right, 2010, uh, and they're yeah. having some uh, financial issues. You know, I look at it sometimes uh, with some of these other. Issues that have come up uh, in in the uh, in President during President Trump's time, where everything becomes so politicized and partisan.
0: Well, you know, I mean, I, I think it's easy to say post Trump, pre Trump, but I think most of these things have yeah, been well, kind Yeah, well, these of battles complied. have gone on right,
1: before too. Right,
0: right. mm-hmm. But I think I think um, just you know we have said enough. So we should bring on the
1: expert and and see what she has to say. Yep. Good idea. So let's bring in Jenna, who's going to talk with uh, Jenny Van Hook. Sounds good. All right.
2: Jenny, thank you so much for joining us today on Democracy Works. Oh, no problem. So as you heard um, Chris and Michael talk about in the the introduction, um, we want to cover several aspects of of the the census today. And I thought maybe we would just start off with kind of a a broader question and then dive in from there um so in in your view as someone who has studied the census and worked with the the data um what do you see as the role that the census plays in a democracy um okay so the census is i would say absolutely fundamental
3: for any kind of representative democracy where you have to kind of um uh divide political power according to where the population lives. And so in the United States, the United States was actually the first nation in the world to um, require there be a regular census be conducted every 10 years. And, um, and and they did this for a reason. is because they wanted to um, distribute power across the states according to the sizes of their populations and also according to just states. And so you know, the Senate has two um, senators per state, but then the House of Representatives is, you know, the number of representatives that each state gets is, um, you know, proportional to the size of their population. And how do you know how big that population is? You can't just guess, you have to actually count it. And so they knew that. And so they, you know, required that there be a census every 10 years.
2: Great. Yeah. And um, I think that, you know, Uh, Chris and Michael talked about the kind of difference between redistricting and and reapportionment, and that certainly is one key use of of census data. Um, But I think that there are many other uses, right, that folks might not be be as as aware of. What what are some of those? Well, you know, I was just
3: um, thinking about this, and, you know, it is about equal representation, but then there's also a lot of other uses of census data. And one of them that's really key to our democracy is this – you know civil rights, and a lot of the civil rights legislation that occurred since I think the 1960 um, Civil Rights Act required that there's there be some data so that we could tell whether groups were underrepresented or if groups were disproportionately um, um, hired or fired or whatever you know it is. Um, and so you needed to have s- um, information about the location where people work. Uh, how much they get paid, et cetera, et cetera, according to race, ethnicity, gender, you name it. And so there's no way to know if a group is discriminated against unless you actually have data that tells you that.
2: Right. And so some of those issues are, are pretty politically charged, right? And it's, it's kind of the, the census's job to look at them in, in a, a nonpartisan sort exactly. of way. Exactly. So I have a, one person I know who works at the Census Bureau, and he calls
3: it a monastery. And really, it's a, it's what they call it. It's like a monastery that sort of curates a number or a data a statistic, a data point. And they never say anything about what it means. They just present that number and cultivate it and then they give it to the public and they never comment on what what it means and they do that for a reason because they really want to stay out of the politics of of what those numbers mean right and
2: so it's interesting too to think about you know an era of Fake news and everybody can kind of pick and choose their own facts and their own set of yes. data. You know how the how the census will will kind of grapple with that as we head into to 2020, right?
3: I know, and it's really heartbreaking to think about how census data could be such pol- so politicized in the sense because I know the efforts that they go to to sort of strip the data of any kind of um, po- political or partisan kind of um, lean mm-hmm. and yeah.
2: yeah. So can, can you talk a little bit more about that? You know, what, what are some of those steps that, that census staff takes? Well, okay, so um, any report that the
3: census provides, for example, has about um, 70 different authors, you know. Oh. So there is no single authorship from the census. Um, the people who work there, they work in large teams. Everything is double, triple, quadruple checked. Every single number that you might see in a report underlying that might be 60, 70 different statistical tests to make sure that that number is accurate. And um, and then the reports themselves are um, devoid of any kind of interpretation. They're just describing the numbers and the accuracy of those numbers.
2: Oh, wow. And so I know there's also been, been a lot of talk lately about the, the Census Bureau being underfunded, understaffed. So um, from your experience on the, the Census Advisory Board, do you think that the, the Bureau can sustain that level of, of quality, of you know, effort put into to its work, given some of those those challenges?
3: Well, like the Census Bureau right now doesn't have a director, and I think the director really sets the tone and um, leads the whole Bureau through the whole decennial census pro- process. Um, um, not having somebody in charge and really setting the vision there could be a problem, Also, I realize, and I know that, um, you know, one of the things that people have been worried about is the level of outreach and the amount of resources devoted to outreach to educate people about the census. So, you know, the census is one of those uh, agencies, they collect data, they have to um, protect data, they're not allowed to share individual data with any other agencies. So, for example, they They don't have to, I mean, they have to promise never to share individual data with, say, um, ICE. And so immigrants may not know this. And so that's one of the reasons why they require all of this outreach to reassure people that their data is safe. And so they can provide data to the Census Bureau, and the Census Bureau is not going to pass it along to anybody else.
2: Right, right. This is not Facebook. Your data is not going to Cambridge Analytica yeah. or, you know, other yeah. places like yeah. that. Yeah,
3: and then so when you don't have that opportunity to really build that trust, um, you know, I think what you're going to end up seeing is a lot of people um, not trusting in the census and not really wanting to participate.
2: Right, which is kind of detrimental to something that is in, in, in the Constitution, right, at the core yeah. of what we are as, as a country. Exactly. Um, and so I think the, the other part of that outreach is, you know, actually going and finding to make, you know, literally make sure every person is is counted. What what does that, that process look like in that end of the outreach?
3: Okay. So what happens is um, everybody gets a postcard in the mail saying, oh, the census is coming up and so you need to participate. This year actually is the first year that you're going to be able to participate online. But let's say you don't participate and you don't respond to that, then um, you might get a follow-up call, and then if you don't respond to that, there might be somebody coming to your door, knocking on your door, and asking you to, you know, so there's a lot of follow-up. Um, the follow-up is the most expensive part of the whole process, and that's what's going to raise costs. So if people don't participate to begin with, that's when the costs increase a lot. So, um, you know, so cost is just one example of why we don't really want it. We want to increase participation.
2: Sure. And so, with um, online online participation being something new for this year, is it is it the case that you know the, the bureau kind of learns from past experiences, or you know tries to kind of make incremental changes or, or um, improvements in, in, in how the process is run?
3: Yeah, they do, but it takes a lot of time. That's the thing that people don't really understand. It's like you you don't just turn on dime right on dime with the Census Bureau. The Census Bureau is this ginormous bureaucracy right and they're trying to enumerate a population of over 300 million people they have to go everywhere to um to carry this out so any little minute change in census bureau operations or in the form or in the questionnaire all of that takes a lot of time it takes months and months and months just to print the form
2: right right you know and so, the other thing that's kind of on the um, horizon for this year is is bringing back a question about um, citizenship status, right Yeah. yeah. and so um, what from from your perspective, what goes into you know make into deciding the the wording of a question and you know all of all of those types of factors?
3: Um, yeah, everything is tested and field tested. So, you know, the uh, um, introduction of a new question typically takes several years because of all the tests that are done in order to make sure that people are interpreting the question correctly, answering the question in a way that, um, um, is intended. And um, and whether or not the addition of the question would cause people to not participate in the in the census, and so, you know, with the citizenship question, really the big question is really, how much is that going to then um, depress uh, participation? Right. You yeah. know, it's sort of a hot button issue, um, especially right now, um, since. Um, I'd say anti-immigrant rhetoric has been increasing and a lot of that has been coming from our administration now. And so I would say, you know, the kinds of field tests that have been done in the past concerning the citizenship question may have to be redone in this current era because we just don't know how people are going to be responding to that question. Right. And it seems like we might be running out of time to do that as well. Exactly. Exactly. So, Um, I don't have the exact date in my head but I know that I you know like okay so the decision was made in March to include the citizenship question on the census and they have to start printing uh, forms I believe a year from now and so just to get it in time for the 2020 census Um, and so the decision has to be made by then and you know uh, that's really not enough time to, to figure this all out.
2: Right, and I know that um, Wilbur Ross has has said that in his kind of rationale for adding this question that he he thinks that the you know benefits of having this information will will outweigh the, the potential risks of lower response rates and things like that. Do you, do you agree with that? Uh,
3: Yeah. No, I don't. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think the part of the part of the issue is that I don't think they have shown that it's really necessary. So typically, uh, you know, the stuff that's put on the census, especially the the, what's called the short term, short form census, the one that you will get, um, everybody will get. um, Every single one of those questions has to be dictated and necessary by by law. So you can't just throw questions on because you think it won't harm it. Every single question has to be on there because it is absolutely required. And so, you know, does the the addition of the citizenship question really meet that bar? I would disagree because the um, we do have another survey called the American Community Survey. It has it's um, administered to three and a half million households every year, and they've been collecting citizenship um, questions, you know, for years and years and years. And those um, those data have been used to evaluate and enforce the Voting Rights Act in the past, um, and I am not aware of any um, problems with that.
2: Right. And and for, for people not familiar with that survey, can you talk a little bit about how it differs from from the census in terms of what's what's asked and how it's conducted, things like it's that? It's a it's
3: a lot longer. It's a longer survey. Um, it has many questions that the questions change from year to year as needed. Um, and um, it's administered to, um, like I said, a, a little over three, I think it's about three and a half million people every year. Um, it, what it does is it provides uh, more detailed information on an annual basis for the U.S. population. And since it's such a large survey, we can even get down to um, set, uh, county level information or even census track information um, every five years using that. Whereas like the census is only to every ten years and it has what, five questions on it? Sure. Yeah. Um
2: so coming back to the the um question of, of how census data is used, I know you mentioned um civil rights type of type of issues. Are there there are other ways that that, that that data is used?
3: Sure. Yeah. So it's used to distribute funds. So there's um last I read it was about six hundred billion dollars in federal and state funds are distributed according to the census. Um, The other one is that, um, you know, it's used for, um, and I'm just talking about sort of census data in general, not just the decennial census, um, for um, business planning for that matter. You know, a lot of businesses use census data, whether they know it or not, when they make decisions about where to locate their businesses and who they're trying to market to. Um, Yeah, so there's a lot of reasons for it.
2: The census is is also used to inform um, federal policy, right? Yes. Can you talk about how that that Mm -hmm. happens?
3: You know, um, whenever we need to know something about the population health, let's say. Um, For example, recently there was a lot of news about how the the life expectancy has dropped for certain groups, um, especially whites in their 40s and 50s in certain areas. And, you know, and uh, I think this was attributed to, to a large degree to the opioid crisis and what they're calling deaths of despair. Um, this information would not be known without having the census and um, and other federal statistical agencies. And so the there's two agencies that would have collected that data. It would be the, the um, National Center for Health Statistics, which collects the, the data on deaths and death rates. But then we also have the need for what's called denominators. And denominators provide the population at risk of dying. Um, and so th- I guess what I'm trying to say is that the census data kind of runs through All of the federal statistical systems that we have and those data are used not just for people who study the census explicitly, but then also they're used everywhere else as well. So they're sort of the backbone of our whole federal statistical system.
2: Right, right. So even if it doesn't say this, you know, this data comes from the U.S. census, chances are it might very well have. Yeah.
3: And we wouldn't be aware of some of these changes in population health or in poverty rates or in um, average earnings none of that stuff would be really very well known and we would just have sort of glimpses or vague notions of what was happening we really wouldn't know without having these data
2: right so if you were going to make kind of the the case or the pitch to anybody who's listening out there in in podcast land about why they should <laughs> fill out their census why they should you know pay attention to it what would what would you say
3: oh it's good to be counted because we don't know really uh, much about our own population unless we measure it Um, So uh, can I add one little story here? Um, There's this interesting story that Margot Anderson writes about in her book um, on the American census. And she's describing how a, a representative in Congress, and it was coming up to census time, and he was concerned about the cost of the census and wondering, you know, why do we even need a census in the first place? Because, he said, whenever I need some statistics about my state, Um, or my, um, my home district, I just look it up in the almanac. And, of course, where does the data in the almanac come from? Of course, it comes from the census. And so, you know, oftentimes we think census data or statistics about ourselves just kind of comes down from the sky or from the Internet, you know. But, of course obtaining that data compiling that data it all occurs um in the census bureau
2: right right yeah that's yeah, a that's a great story kind yeah. of always thinking about where how those things connect and yeah. how it all kind of meets back on the other side well jenny we're going to um close here uh, as we always do with our mood of the nation poll questions so okay. if four questions for you is your quick lightning round uh, type of responses so um thinking specifically about american politics uh, what makes you angry
3: I think the thing that makes me angry is the um, the way in which um, scientific opinions and, and evidence has been um, politicized. And then what makes you proud? Uh, I would say the steady... Um, Force. I don't. You know. I don't know what it would be. Say, I think. I think increasingly over time, we're starting to see more and more inclusion of different groups, and especially when you look at the millennials and the younger um, people today, they seem to have uh, a, a great deal of openness and tolerance for diver- diversity and differences across different groups.
2: And then, uh, what about American politics makes you worry? Um, the loss of the truth. And then finally, what gives you hope? (laughs) Well, I, I would say the younger generation. Great. All right, well, Jenny Van Hook, thank you so much for joining us today on Democracy Works. Thank you.
1: Okay, we're back that was uh that was a very interesting interview i learned quite a bit
0: yeah I, she really knows her stuff and uh, um she was very uh measured and and fair in what she said i thought
1: yeah really uh the couple of things she said there really registered with me one was this idea that you know people within the census bureau sort of think of themselves as a monastery mm-hmm. right in uh controlling this truth these facts and not allowing them to be, or not wanting them to become politicized, or for that matter, for the for the collection of the facts right. to the, not become politicized. I think that's the key thing.
0: She said um, they go out of their way to stay out of politics. Yeah, their job is not to um, do anything but follow the mandate that's in the Constitution. Count everybody
1: yeah so I, I, I saw problems with this from two directions in, in the modern political time. One is the uh, the Census Bureau I'm sorry, the Constitution doesn't create a Census Bureau and empower it to go out and collect mm-hmm. information. Rather, it tells Congress that it needs to go out and collect the information, and Congress creates the Census Bureau mm-hmm, within mm-hmm. the Congress Department, and Congress writes the laws that mandate how they're going to go about collecting the information. they have to approve. Some of this which has to go on. So you have this enterprise, which is essentially supposed to be nonpartisan, nonpolitical, just the facts, please, Mm -hmm. in the hands of the most partisan body around.
0: Right. Well, I mean, you know. um,
1: And the most politicized body around. Congress
0: puts it into the executive branch, right? I mean, you know, it's it's under the Department of Commerce,
1: right? Yes, but things get put into branches, but get put into the executive branch through acts of Congress. Of course. But yes, but then it gets handed over to an executive who I think, especially in this era, you have a, a, a unique situation going on. Oh, maybe unique is the wrong word, but I'm not sure, based on what I've seen in a variety of things over the past year, that uh, the president and the people immediately around him really think in terms of scientific fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather that, from their perspective, everything is actually politicized. Facts are politicized, and truth is politicized and and uh, anyone who claims otherwise is just lying yeah you 're just a <laughs> partisan and and I mean I think it 's important to think about how this works it, it, obviously, what comes out of the Census Bureau will be politicized because it has to be. Those facts are used for making public policy decisions right, they 're used for allocating funds they're they 're used for determining the balance of power within congress of course they 're politicized. Mm-hmm. But, and, and I believe this is what Jenny was talking about. I thought quite eloquently when Jenna asked her what she's angry about mm-hmm. that what we are increasingly losing, and, and I think it's something we've referred to before, and I think we have to keep coming back to, you know, whether we're talking in the ev- area of the environment mm-hmm. or many other areas of public policy, just a sense that science is not respected, that experts are not, right. are not. I mean, take somebody like Jenny, she's a demographer, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and the people. In the Census Bureau, this is what they do, and this is what they know. Right, they're experts and professionals. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. we're we're in a we're in a moment now. We have you know we had an election and we elect, we elected a leader and we elected a party that is enacting a range of policies that are intimidating to non-citizens. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know they're that's who we elected. Right. That, but but people within the Census Bureau that's not what they're about. Mm-hmm. And and I think they recognize that asking a question like this in a highly in, in an era when immigrants have been vilified, right. that being asked a question about citizenship at this time, in this environment, is very threatening right the the one thing that that I really took from from jenny 's
0: argument or from her discussion with with Jenna was that it 's not you know they're, they're, uh, the partisan dimension of this goes both ways first of all, everything you said is true this is an incredibly um, or a comparatively very hostile environment. For um, people who are not citizens, you know whatever you think of that, uh, and and to, so to ask this question is not simply a a, a data gathering mechanism. It's certainly not going to be taken that way. But the other part is that the resources that the census has to um, to. Make people aware that a this is coming, and b this data is is uh, sacred. Nobody can use it. Ice isn't. We're not going to tell Ice that this that you've done this. And so um, all the re- go- all the resources that that Census needs to reinforce the idea that this is this is um, they should trust the Census is taken away. Right. So exactly. it's so it's yeah. it, it's when you combine those. When you combine those two facts, the idea that this is not going to end up um, pushing people away from, from um, answering the census truthfully is, is just I think hard to sustain
1: right and from the perspective of people within the Census Bureau who have the non-political right. job of counting how many people we have mm-hmm. if you then put a question on that makes it more difficult for them to count the number of people that we have then that's a bad idea that's a bad from, uh, from period their perspective paragraph. I think we need to recognize this is kind of a, a central question that this whole thing gets at you know it's about the census the census is important. I um, think Jenny gave us just the the tip of the iceberg about why the census is is important. But it, it, it's also, it's, it feels to me like just another area where we're no longer going to trust the scientists. And by scientists here, I mean, you know, I'm not talking about the environmental scientists in the EPA. I'm talking about the data scientists in mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Census Bureau. Uh, professionals. Right. People have been trained to do a job that through, throughout our government the, there just seems to be a moving away from the idea that there is expertise that there is that there that, that 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 not everything is a matter of your partisanship and political leanings people can just do their jobs
0: well i actually have the same feeling and and it, it, what i thought about was you know bureaucrat <laughs> is not necessarily a dirty word right these there there are people in washington who are extremely committed to doing their job as well and as professionally as they can. And it's very easy for uh, politicians to just denigrate this, uh, denigrate this entire class of people. And, you know, what we're hearing from this idea of monastery, from this idea that the census is a backbone, is that people take uh, this—people who work in the census— uh, bureau take their responsibilities f- extremely seriously, and it's their life's work. And they have done things in in, the, in terms of how they organize their 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 um, actions and their procedures to to uh, ensure that this is done well. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, if, if there's one takeaway, that might be it. That uh, you know, hug your hug your
1: hug your federal bureaucrat. Hug your bureaucrat. <laughs> that we're going to leave it at that. We're going to leave it at hug your bureaucrat. <laughs> Why not? All right. All right. This is democracy works. Thank you. <laughs>